Hello, everybody. This is Foxhole Podcast number six. I am Joe DeLisi. I'm glad you guys are here with me today. And um, I think we're going to cover a bunch of ground today. And before we do, I want to uh, make sure I do something I don't normally do. I have to remind everybody to go visit us on um, our Facebook site and our website. So you can go to uh, uh, foxholepartner.com, and it's singular. A lot of mistakes that people make is foxholepartners.com. No, singular, foxholepartner, just me, dot com. And then uh, on Facebook, it's foxhole, uh, it's actually Joe DeLisi, foxhole partner, and that's on Facebook. Uh, and I direct you to those sites because uh, on the on the Facebook on the website we've got just a bunch of different blogs you can uh, read and download and uh, ebook you can you can uh, get for free and, and read um, you can find out about upcoming events speaking engagements things like that and then on the Facebook page is where yeah I really kind of talk about my thoughts and uh, it's just it's just a quicker way to communicate with people than to wait for podcasts to come out and things along those lines um, and then yeah Instagram I'm just not like on Instagram. Instagram that much, even though Jamie, who's the real boss of the operations here, is trying to get me there. I just haven't done it as much. So Facebook and website are the two main areas <clears throat> to go to. So today um, we're going to talk. So if some of you know or follow me a little bit, you'll know that uh, I've been going on some uh, what I call excursions over the past year. Uh, I'm a coaching company. Uh, we are a coaching company. And I'm coached by other people as well. That makes sense. It shouldn't surprise anybody, really. Um, Although, I will say that uh, it seems to me that a lot of people out there can just throw the word coach uh, on their websites, and that's fine. But if you dig deep, scratch a little bit, you'll find out they're coaching, but they're not being coached. I don't know how that works. Um, There's no possible way that I could continue to grow my financial business or this coaching business on my own. Uh, I just couldn't do it. I need a team, and part of that team is is my coach. So one of my coaches, uh, Eric Davis, which you can find out about Eric at ericdavis215.com, Eric, E-R-I-C, davis215.com. Go check him out. Uh, He is a a former SEAL uh, and a SEAL sniper instructor as well. Really cool guy. Uh, Known him for a while, and he put together what he calls strategic coaching group. Um, or I'm sorry, strategic training group, STG. And I'm in the first group of that. We just, we just finished, uh, after a year actually. And, uh, part of what we did in that group was we went on uh, seal excursions. So we did a sea one, we did an air one, and we did the land excursion and we just finished up the land excursion. Uh, and I jotted down a bunch of different notes, um, on that excursion. Uh, some things that I wanted to get into today on the podcast, and really in no particular order, let's kind of dive right in. And let me, let me set the stage a little bit first. So these excursions are, to me, they are invaluable. Uh, and I, I wish I had come up with this expression on my own. I didn't. It was Jamie. But we referred to it before, I think, somewhere. It's the concept of going, quote, out there, unquote. And the premise around this is, I mean, really, it's, <laughs> I think she's a genius for putting it this simply, because the premise is, is rather complex. The premise of it is that you cannot grow, will not grow at home or in your office. It's not going to happen, guys. Won't ha- it's just impossible. Because you're, you think about it. I mean, it's, you drive to, you drive almost the same route to work every day. 
you get the same coffee order every day, you, you wake up maybe with the morning news or you read the same websites every day or the same social media every day. You've got a routine, which is not bad. Routines aren't bad, but routines aren't built for growth for the most part. In fact, you take it from a physical level, if you think about it this way, I just finished up this, uh, this afternoon uh, with another one of my teams, which is just my, my physical fitness team, who we've interviewed, uh, Debbie Portel, on this podcast before. She can be reached at integritytrainingsystems.com. Debbie Portel, she's our nutritionist. Uh, she's also our uh, fitness instructor. And today we showed up for shoulders, and I, I hate shoulders. I'm one of those weird ones where I actually like to do legs. <laughs> I like to, I like pain. So I like to run. I like to swim. I like to bike. I like to do anything cardio. And then if I'm in the weight room, man, I, I want to go get a, give me the legs, like the, the worst thing you can imagine. I want that. But today we did shoulders, which I hate. And what we, so if you think of shoulders, uh, a normal routine for shoulders might be, you know, some lateral raises or some, um, you know, I don't know, some, some smaller weights typically. You know, maybe you'll do some shoulder press, things like that. You'll do sets of 10, maybe three rounds of that. That would be a routine. And you, there's nothing wrong with that routine. You go in there, you get used to it, you, you kind of do your thing. Well, today what we did, we showed up and, and we, <laughs> we had uh, for, for, we did 20 reps of lateral raises and then we did 100 jump ropes, which doesn't sound like a lot, except for the fact that you do those two things 10 sets. And then we did um, another set of 10 where it was battle ropes for 100 and then um, knuckles out front press. And those compounded movements with the amount of reps you're doing, it just throws your routine off. And that's good because that's where the growth comes from. It's just where the growth comes from. And so getting out of your office, getting out of your your normal routine with your family, who you love, <laughs> it's critical to growth. It's the only way it works. It allows you to detach a little bit. It allows you to get to that elevated position and look down on things. Some people refer to it as working um, on your business instead of in your business. I think that's fine. Uh, it's kind of a you know overused expression, but it's legitimate. And so getting out there is critical, and that's what these excursions have done for me. Uh, I didn't get to do the the air one last year. Uh, I was recovering from Achilles surgery, and I just couldn't I just couldn't jump out of an airplane and land. It just wasn't going to happen. Um, but I did make the ocean excursion, which was a phenomenal experience and it really enlightening on a lot of different levels. And um, I'm actually going back out uh, in a couple weeks to Southern California, San Clemente. I'm taking a, my coaching group that who I. I lead my the guys that I lead. I'm taking them out there for the same excursion uh, with Eric out in the uh, in the Pacific Ocean, where you are, where you are not the apex predator. <laughs> you are part of the food chain, and man, I'll tell you, you're very well aware of it when you're reef running and free diving and open ocean swimming for one, two, three hours. It's it's just a really amazing experience. <clears throat> um, but the one we just did was the land excursion. And so what we did was we met um, Eric. When I say we, it's myself. And uh, in this case, there were two other guys that made the trip. Uh, there was a group of seven that really started the year in this coaching group or this, this training group. And it kind of dialed back down to about three or four of us were the only ones really left, which isn't odd, by the way. Uh, now, these guys all paid the same money I did. Uh, very expensive. Uh, I, I would say it's, it was tens of thousands. It wasn't a couple thousand. It was tens of thousands that we paid. Uh, for this uh, year of coaching, 
and everyone paid up front. That was it. That was the deal. And so if you came to all of it and, you know, sat in on the coaching stuff every other week, uh, or if you didn't come to a single session, you still paid the money, which was great. I mean, that's the way it should be. Uh, but even then, these guys, uh, they, and these are high performers that were in this training group. Not anybody could get into this. You had to really... Um, you had to have a, a certain amount of income. You had to have a certain kind of age behind you and life experience. And Eric really did a good job of vetting it. And even then, in the context of, of high performers, out of seven guys, only three and kind of maybe a fourth guy really held it for a year, which it just speaks volumes if you think about that. It really, really does. Um, so being that top 1%, being that that high performer and holding the commitment is very difficult. And, and I'm not even saying that I hold it every time. I don't. Uh, nobody really can constantly forever. Um, but you should do it more often than not because, you know, most of life is showing up. We've heard that before. And that's true. It's true in business. It's true in school. It's true really in, in parenting. You know, half the battle is just showing up. So anyway, three of us showed up. Three of us plus Eric, so four dudes uh, out in the Redwood National Forest, and we were camping, I'll say. I'll use that term loosely because I have never been outdoors. I've never camped in my life. Um, the water excursion was was uh, was fine for me because, you know, I had done some uh, half Ironman events. I had done uh, several triathlons where we were in the open water, and, yeah, I was fairly comfortable. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm like, you know, <laughs> I'm not Eric. I'm no seal, but I'm comfortable out there in the ocean, and that was fine. This next time, I think we're going to do some night excursions out there. That that might make my heartbeat go up a, <laughs> a beat or two. Um, but outside of that, everything was fine. But this land thing, man, I had never been camping. I had never so much as slept in a tent. And now we're in the Redwood National Forest. And uh, the, the email prior to getting out there said something to the effect of, we will have access to water and toilets some of the time. Uh, now, if you know me, I am uh, I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> I can be a bit of a princess. I don't like shower curtains in hotel rooms. Won't touch them. I literally have an entire process to get around the shower curtain in the hotel room. And if you want to know what that is, I am happy to share it with you because it's critical to not having germs on your, your little hands and footsies in the morning in these hotels. So now here I am out here with, with no toilets or water or that kind of thing. Uh, and the other guys I was with, they had all been camping before, so they kind of all knew what to expect. And... Um, you know, the, the excursion was cool. It was four nights out there in the woods, and we were in tents for most of the time. Uh, again, new experience to me. I got my tent set up, no problem. I, you know, I, I sort of got everything squared away there. I tried, I tried to avoid eating the, um, the freeze-dried food because I knew it would mess with my digestive system, and there was no toilets. So I did not want to use the uh, old dig-a-hole-in-the-ground deal. Um, and I did. <laughs> I still did. You can't do that for four days. So eventually I, I succumbed to that. But in the middle of it, we were introduced to a, a guy named Jack. And Jack is a survival expert. Uh, I mean, like literally a survival expert. A lot of his friends have been on these shows, you know, alone and afraid and never naked and afraid or whatever they are. Um, and uh, he told us, you know, he's like, yeah, the, the shows are cool. He goes, but really, like, he spent most of his life, his young life, in the woods where he would go out there with nothing, no knife, nothing. You know, the the rocks are your knives and the, all sorts of crazy stories. And, and, and then you got me, <laughs> who doesn't like shower curtains. So 
Jack was um, he was taking us through uh, basically survival skills, and one was something called a debris hut. Uh, we were gonna we were gonna build a debris hut, debris shelter, and what this essentially is is if you if you lay down on the ground, if you can envision this, you just lay down on the ground, and um, the highest point really on the ground is probably your toes, maybe your nose. Um, and so the debris hut should be built such that the top of your shelter is about le- well, like less than an inch above your nose. Um, and it's built with just debris from the forest floor. So you've got sticks and you've got, um, you know, debris. <laughs> you've got leaves and all sorts of crap and dirt and whatever you can find um, piled excessively high on top of, of branches and things like that so that you could get out of the elements. And we slept in these debris huts one night. Um, it took us four hours to build them. You know, we each built our own, so four of them. It took us about three and a half or four hours to build them from start to finish. And, you know, in the middle of it, I, I remember saying to him, why, like, how, how could somebody get in the position where they're stuck out here in the middle of nowhere in the redwood forest and they like they have to build this thing and um his response was instant i mean it was, he, he had obviously been through this before he's like oh man that's easy it's just a it's a series of compounding bad decisions <laughs> think about that a, a compound series of bad decisions um so like the biggest one he said so one one bad decision could be okay you don't take um you don't take water with you you don't have the proper clothing with you you um you don't tell anybody where you're going you don't pay attention to the trail i mean th- th- those are all a series of bad decisions and they compound on each other and to the point where you could be out there and it gets uh cold or dark and now you're stuck uh and you could be stuck for days and so in a survival thing, in a survival world, the, the biggest challenge you've got really is um, hypothermia, because he said that could set in within three hours. You know, you can go without water for a day or two, you can go without food for several days, a week, or whatever it might be, ten days, but you can't you you can't be exposed to the elements. And so, if you find yourself in that position, it's because you've made a lot of bad decisions leading up to that position. And the worst one, he said, is not making the call that you know what. I am no longer on a hike. I have to stop and I have to build a survival sh- a survival shelter. I'm no longer on a hike. That just really, really stuck with me. Um, and this is a prime example of why we're even talking about it today on the podcast, on a, on a business podcast. You know, I'm talking about going out there to get a new perspective. How many of you right now, right this second, are in a business where it's rapidly changing. (laughs) I would say all of you are. Now, some of you aren't ready to admit it, uh, or you you admit it, but you're not ready to do anything about it. Uh, Let's take um, automobile sales as an example, car sales. Um, That's changing. The, the very nature of cars are changing. The self-driving car and you know, the, the technologies around the way cities are built and free Wi-Fi and how that impacts cars. And um, that world will change. Now, I don't know if it's going to change in five years or if it's going to change in 15 or 20 or 50 years. Who knows? But it's changing. And how you sell things direct to consumers is changing. Not just in auto sales, but in insurance sales and in <clears throat> medical sales and um, even in fitness. You know, going to a gym and paying 
50 bucks a month versus, um, you know, getting an app on your phone or managing your investments on your phone. Um, you know, everything is changing. And what happens is that if you're stuck in your business, if you're used to waking up, rolling out of bed, getting your cup of coffee, checking Facebook, jumping in your car, listening to the news, driving to your office, saying hi to the same old people, hiding from your wife or your husband all day in your office because you're not working nine hours in that office. Most of the time, you're not working at all. At all. And you're just kind of punching time. You know, it's like Groundhog Day. Every day looks the same. And you get your check and you go home or you make your commissions and you go home and everything seems to be okay. Well, what you're not aware of is you're really no longer on a hike. You are making some bad decisions that are compounding because you're stuck in a routine and everybody around you is stuck in the same routine. And you get that group think and that group talk and everybody's okay because everyone around you is okay. And you all go to eat lunch together. And you all go and watch the same funny YouTube video together. And, all, and you guys know what I'm talking about. This is just a common occurrence. Even, even at the very successful, the high levels of sales and business uh, building, we get stuck. And what Jack said to me when I asked him, you know, wh- how does this happen? And he said, oh, it's a series of compound bad decisions. The worst being not knowing when to stop and saying we're no longer on a hike and now we're building a debris shelter. That hit me. I mean, man, did that hit me right in the gut. Because at night, <laughs> that night actually, as I'm in that stupid shelter, and I'm not sleeping that well, and I'm able to kind of think about things and my business and what I'm learning on this excursion, it hit me. Wow, things are changing. They really are. Technology is, is changing rapidly, and the distribution of products and the, the way that we interact, this stuff is just, it's, it's, it's not standing still. And for me to pretend like it is, is, is foolish. And so for me to not try different things and, and reach out and do different things and fail at different things and institute different ideas and uh, add different lines of products maybe, or, or maybe, maybe I restructured the way that my gym is run or I restructured the way that my automobile dealerships run, whatever it might be, for, for any of us to sit there and say, ah, it's okay, it's not going to change that quickly, or I'll do something about it later. That's the same thing as the person on a hike who hasn't told anybody where they're going, doesn't have enough water with them, and they keep saying, man, the sun's going down. What time does the sun go down? I wonder when the sun sets. Oh, I got time. I'll find. I'll be okay. I'm warm now. I got a coat. I'm good. And then the sun goes down. And then you start hearing things. <laughs> you, hear, you hear creatures. And you see things and you hear stuff and you get cold and, and man, that sun goes down. It ain't coming back up until what, 5.30 in the morning? And now it's too late. Now you can't build a debris shelter. Now you're going to sit there and freeze. And that's what's happening to business owners everywhere. Slowly. And it can't. And that perspective doesn't come again from sitting in your office. It comes from being in a team. And it comes from being out there because out there, if you could see me motioning, is where we get away from the norms and the routines. And we get that elevated position like I talked about before. And we can see, oh, my God, like all these things are happening around me. I've got to be the one to do something about them. Let everybody else keep doing the same thing as if nothing's going to change. Think about, think about the world of politics and this last uh, presidential election. Like him or hate him, 
uh, President Trump won, and 20 years ago, that wouldn't have happened because things change. And the way that information is disseminated changes. And the way that people interact with pollsters changes. And so the other, the, the opposition, Democrats, they weren't willing to accept that. They just figured, ah, everything's okay because everything seems to be okay. They didn't get that elevated position, look down and say, uh-oh, we have a problem here. And we can all, all of us collectively can sit back and make fun of that, but it's happening in our businesses right now. So the first thing, the first kind of debrief I'd have for you on, on this excursion and why it was so critical to me is if nothing else, I got that one piece of information that, yeah, yeah, we are no longer on a hike. It's 2018 and things are done differently and we need to try stuff, even if it fails, even if, even if 10 out of 10 things fail, it's okay. It's okay. Just try, just do different things, um, pay for different coaches, read different books, experience, do different stuff. Another concept I got was something that uh, Eric uh, termed, I think it was him, collective courage. What is collective courage? Collective courage is essentially being in team, which you've heard me talk about a lot. Uh, in my financial business, I've got a team of three. Uh, in my, my physical world, I've got uh, a team much more than that because of nutritionist and fitness instructor, instructor and the people that also work out around me. Um, in my marriage, obviously, Jamie is my team, my family, my kids are on the team and they feel it too. They understand the team dynamic team is critical because team provides you context and like it it can, it can, it can help you. The team can help you interpret failure when you don't have that elevated position, when you can't attach and see what's going on. Oftentimes somebody on your team can, as long as you're willing to follow, even if you're the leader. And that's one thing I don't, I've never really struggled with. Even as a leader, I'm, I'm completely fine with not having all the answers. Uh, and so you have to be willing to listen to your wife or your husband or listen to your new business um, uh, person or your, your operations manager or somebody that is quote unquote below you. That's uh, not how teams work. You have to know when to lead and you have to know when to follow. And it's constantly changing. So collective courage is another way of just talking about a team. So here's what collective courage is. <clears throat> There's probably no, it's not a high likelihood, statistical likelihood, that I would ever have booked a trip last October to fly out to um, San Clemente, California, and and having never even had a snorkel on my face before, gotten into uh, Laguna Beach. Or Three Arch Bay out in Southern California and free and been free diving. Yeah, I just wouldn't have done that. Um, I would not have swam out past a reef and swam into another beach, which was only accessible by swimming to it. I wouldn't have done that. Not on my own. I wouldn't have booked the trip. I might have said, oh, one day I, sh- I should. Or it would be really cool too, dot, dot, dot. But I, I wouldn't have gone and done it on my own. Even if I had gotten to the point of, of maybe going out there on my own, I very much... De- so it's cold. You know, we're not wearing wetsuits. It's cold. You're just in, you're just in board shorts. And, um, you know, you get out there a little bit and maybe you hit some seaweed or maybe you see an animal like, you know, swimming underneath you and you're not really sure what it was. You're probably going to go back to the beach. But when you're out there with three, four, five other guys... 
something changes. You feel a little less um, exposed to the elements, a little less exposed to the marine life. You feel a little more protected. Whether it's whether you should or not is irrelevant. You do. When you're in a camp at night and you're by yourself in a debris hut and you can't see anything and you can hear all these sounds around you and you can feel all these things crawling all over you, you don't feel very comfortable. But when you're back in base camp and you, you feel those same things and you hear those same things, but you got your, you got your, your brothers right around you there, you, you don't even give it a second thought. You sleep a lot more soundly. That's collective courage. Both of those examples are collective courage. Um, building a new house, moving to a new city with your wife, with your husband, collective courage. Um, maybe extending yourself a little bit after having discussions with your operations person, with your new business people, with the, the salespeople under you, uh, with anybody on your staff, with all your board. Maybe it's your board. You talk to your board about it, and then you extend your business. Maybe a, maybe a little further than you might think is, nor- is, is, is normal for you. That's collective courage. And collective courage is missing for most of the people that I coach because we're not operating in teams, <clears throat> not tight teams. A tight team, so it's easy to show up to an office and say, oh, we're a team, because the front of the building all says the same name, you know, XYZ Financial, or ABC Automotive, or, you know, DEF uh, Muscle Factory, or whatever, whatever. It's easy to say, well, that's my team. But unless you're all pulling in the same direction, and you stress test that team under extreme circumstances then you don't have that tightness. And if you don't have the tightness, then the collective courage really isn't there. So going out there gives you that. If you are a lone wolf right now, if you're listening to this, you're a salesperson, you're a business owner, you're an entrepreneur, um, you, you know, any, anything along those, those mixes, and you're kind of a, a team of one, uh, maybe you share with your spouse when you go home, but you kind of blow them up because you're always sharing your challenges with them. And like one day you're real. So this is what happens to business owners and entrepreneurs. One day you're super high. The next day you're super low. One day everything's going great. The next day you're broke. You know, <laughs> that's just normal. It's like an EKG machine of emotions. If you constantly bring that home to your spouse and that's the only person you unload on, man, you're going to wear them out. So if you've got a team around you, then get them out there. Get them out. Get them into a group. Get them, get, do something kinesthetic. I just think there's something about that that engages the mind and the heart and the body. Uh, and that, that's what really impacts change and, and creates um, a, you know, an uncomfortable scenario where you can grow. If you don't have that team, then go find one. You know, go find a coaching group. Uh, go find people locally that will do hard things with you because you'll start to feel what collective courage is. Um, and I'll tell you, th- these, these concepts, the, hey, I'm no longer on a hike. I need to stop, detach, get an elevated position and, and look down at my circumstances and make some difficult calls and then execute on those calls. That idea and the idea of having collective courage through having brothers around you, sisters around you, these are absolutely necessary for the dynamic world that we live in right now. The market that we all work in, 
I don't know if I'll be able to, I don't even know if this is a word, but the democratization of it, I don't know if that's the right word. I kind of stumbled through that, but the, it's like, it's like decentralized markets now because anybody can go out and produce value over the internet, like this podcast right here. Uh, this doesn't require me going to a radio station and paying a big fee. I could just sit in my home office and boom, here we go. Instantaneously out there on Apple, iPod and, or uh, iTunes, etc. Um, that's, that's changing. That's the rapidity of that's crazy. The compound effect of that's going, you know, full bore Amazon echo and the voice, the whole voice market and the app anchor and all the things that are to come in virtual reality and artificial intelligence and all this kind of stuff. Like the dynamic market that we live in, it's just not 2005 or 1995 or 1985 anymore. And you can't do it alone. It's the stakes are too high and the amount of things that you have to be expert in are too great that for you to stay in your office and continue on your same routine, you are just compounding that series of bad decisions. A thousand percent, I believe that. And I, I didn't even consider that before going on that excursion. So let me shift gears here for a second and talk about another concept um, that is, uh, I think, pretty, pretty important because... In, t- in speaking with some of my coaching clients, um, I'll he- what I found is that, it, this goes back to what we talked about to the begin with, is that of a group of seven people that signed up for the uh, strategic training group this past year, only three of us, maybe four, but really only three of us, really held the commitment. Um, so half of us, out of a group that was already, again, vetted and validated. Um, so half of us held that. Now you've heard me talk before about the 90-10-1 principle. 90% of the people out there are comfortably dissatisfied with their life. They're not happy with their life, but they're comfortable enough that they ain't going to do anything about it. You got the 10% who are um, uncomfortably dissatisfied. So they ain't happy with their life either, and they're not comfortable. They're willing to do something. They're willing to move. They're willing to um, exert energy, spend money, uh, read, experience. They're willing to fall flat on their face. They're willing to try stuff. However, they're only in the 10% area because a lot of times they can't hold that commitment. They quit. It's the 1% group that doesn't quit. So 90, 10, 1, 90%. Comfortably dissatisfied, 10% uncomfortably dissatisfied, but only 10% of 10% will hold the commitment to actually change, to affect change. The rest are going to quit. Some quit forever, where they stay in the 90%. Some quit here and there temporarily, so they'll stay in the 10%. Or maybe they quit on things that are difficult, right? So uh, maybe for some person, it's really easy to save money, but it's really hard to work out. And they just can't. Uh, hold that discipline across different parts of their life. That's a 10% person. And and please hear me. I'm trying to say this with kindness. I'm not beating up on anybody. If you're in the 10% and life's working pretty good for you, good. Now, who am I to say? You know, I'm, I'm not sitting out here as a judge and jury by any stretch. And I go back and forth. I'm not, I would consider myself a 1% person, but not all the time. I mean, I, I just, I'm not a robot. I'm a human being and I fall and I fail and I um, spend too much sometimes, eat too much sometimes, not work out enough sometimes. Sometimes I get angry at my kids and I yell at them. 
Sometimes I watch too much TV, whatever the case may be. Sometimes I'm not, I don't read the Bible enough. Um, you know what you do as a 1% person? You go, ah, there it is. That's, I'm giving up that, you know, I'm giving up that edge. I got to get back on the path. And you just get back on. But people quit. Even the highest performers quit. And I want to talk about quitting because it's, it's not just in the context of I quit my job. I, I don't want to be a doctor anymore. I quit. <laughs> I don't want to be a, um, the secretary anymore. I quit. That's, that's an overt way of quitting. Uh, but man, I'll tell you, the, the, there's a way more insidious way of quitting. And I want you guys to really think this through because I would be willing to bet that every single person listening to this podcast right now is a quitter. I'm raising my hand. I've quit before. I haven't mentioned it on this podcast before. Uh, and so let me, let me frame it up this way. One way that we quit is through injury. Yeah, injury. And <clears throat> this is, uh, I'll, I'll steal a story from Eric. It's such, a, it's such a great story because I lived it myself, which I, I brought up on this podcast before, as I said. But Eric talked about in, uh, in Navy SEAL training uh, in BUDS. That's like the, uh, the first, I'll just call it the first, the first phase of being, becoming a SEAL. And everyone's familiar with the movies or the books where they show Hell Week and the guys are just getting pounded. You know, they're in the cold water and they're, um, they're climbing ropes and they're running in the sand and they're doing all this crazy stuff and they keep them awake and it's just miserable for, I think it's five days. So <clears throat> that, uh, that evolution, let's just say it's five days long, the guys going into that know they're going to get pounded. And Eric said that a lot of guys would go into it. So you had two groups of people. One group of people would go in there and they'd say, okay, I know I'm going to get my ass handed to me. So I need to, every chance I get, I need to drink water, I need to stretch, and I need to, to rest. Even if it's like two minutes of sleep here and there. Because i got to make it all the way through Friday. And those people didn't guarantee them they were going to make it through, but they, they put themselves in the position to be successful. They put themselves in the position to win. Right? They were serious. Like They looked at it and said, okay, I know this crap's going to happen to me. i got to get out in front of this, do the best I can and mitigate that stuff from injury. Okay, The other group of people would look at it and say, oh yeah, I'm going to get pounded. I'm going to get my ass handed to me. Uh, and I'm just going to go into every, every mini evolution and I'm just going to crush every one of these things. I'm going to run as hard as I can, swim as hard as I can. And what happened is they broke down. They got injured. And Eric said, yeah, that was their way of quitting, right? Because think about it, for the rest of their lives, they can say now, yeah, 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 I, I, I tried. You know, I, I tried to be a SEAL. I probably would have made it, but I got hurt. Well, Eric said, nah, uh-uh. getting hurt was their way of quitting. And I, when I heard him say that, I thought to back to when I was a, a junior in that baseball, uh, that, that, that first year in new high school on a, on a baseball team that was like national contender for championships. I didn't, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And that first day that went from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., that cold, I think, March day, whenever, whatever the time of the year it was, I pulled a hamstring and I used that as my excuse to quit. Now think about that in your own life. What types of things are you not doing to put yourself in the position to succeed? Because that's your way of quitting. Now, let's talk about it in terms of sales for a second. Now, in sales, you know you need a certain amount of customers. 
you know, in order to get that certain amount of customers, you need to speak to a certain amount of prospects. Like this is simple math. And you know, there are 300 million people out in America of which say a hundred million are in your market. They could, they could purchase your product. And of the hundred million people, you know, a million live in your hometown where your business is set up and you just start backing down the math. But what you choose to do instead of going out to, let's just say, chamber of commerce meetings or, um, I don't know, you know, different club meetings, social organizations, getting active in the community. Rather than do that, what you do is you stay home or worse, you go to the office because here's the funny thing. If you stay home, this is my, this is my whole conversation with people about stop hiding at the office. If you go to the office, you feel like you've worked because you got your little tie on, you put your little shirt on, you got your dress shoes on, you're all, you got your hair combed the right way, you look the part, you got your coffee, you know, you read the paper, you did the internet, maybe you did some paperwork, maybe you returned a few emails, Whew, tough day. Or, God willing, maybe there's a training session you can attend that day. Maybe there's an outside speaker coming in to talk to you about a product that day. Huh. Are you kidding me? Even better. That takes up two hours of my day. I can go home at night, show up at home, say, man, I put in a full day's work. And you're fooling yourself. And you're quitting. Because that's the same thing as not stretching, drinking water, sleeping. You know, going back to the bad decisions, you're making a series of bad decisions. You know you're hiding at the office. You know you're quote unquote punching that clock and getting nowhere. You know you've got activity but no achievement. You know it. You know it. Everybody in your office knows it because they're doing the same thing. Versus you stay at home and because you have nothing going on that day and you also don't want to go out and mix it up in the marketplace and try to get new clients and prospects or however you reference them. And you sit at home and you watch daytime TV and you see all the commercials around, you know, uh, the if I fall, can't get up and all, all the things that are geared towards the people who are retired. And you know what? You feel like crap. Your wife or your husband might even say, are you, are you going to go to work? And you're like, yeah. And you leave, you know, but you feel guilty because you're at home. You know, you're not being productive, but at quote unquote work at the office, you can kid yourself just like that seal trainee who kids himself by crushing every evolution, knowing he's never going to make it to Friday because he doesn't really want to be a seal. He just wants to say he tried. You really got to dig deep on this, guys. Again, you're listening to this podcast. You're in sales. You're building a business. And let me tell you something that you already know. It is freaking hard. It's an emotional marathon. And it's never going to get easy. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how much money you pile up on your balance sheet. There is no end zone to this until you retire or quit. You got a long road ahead of you. Don't make it harder by quitting, by making those compounded bad decisions, by hiding at the office. Here's another way you quit. In fact, I was speaking to some of you might be familiar with this man. His name is Ryan Mickler, M-I-C-H-L-E-R. If you go check him out, it's called The Order of Man. Um, he's a, a social media, um, I'll call him celebrity. <clears throat> We've become friendly over the years. And um, Ryan and I recently got to catch up over a coffee up in St. Louis one day. He was out there speaking, and I happened to be up in that, uh, that area. And he said that he just uh, had an event where a bunch of men, I, I want to say it was like 100 men, showed up in Nashville, Tennessee. They all paid to be there. 
And the very first day, they had this little physical challenge. It was just a uh, who can hold a plank, you know, like a, a body plank, the longest. And um, obviously, you know, people dropped off after whatever, 30 seconds, three minutes, five minutes, an hour, what, <laughs> not an hour, uh, whatever the time may be. And afterwards, he, he kind of pulled everybody and said, uh, why did you quit? And at first, people were going, I didn't quit, dude. I just couldn't do it anymore. And he followed back up and he said, well, okay, you lasted, let's say you lasted for a minute 30. Are you telling me you couldn't have gone a minute 32? In just two more seconds? Like, really? Now, some, maybe they did do it to failure and they couldn't hold it. But most of the guys, he said, were like, ah, no, I, okay, I could have done two more seconds. He's like, yeah, you quit. So why did you quit? And what he said was, after they got to the core of the matter um, and they sort of pulled that room, the number one answer was, in their mind, the man who was doing the, the plank and when he quit said, the hell am I doing? This is stupid. I didn't come here to do a plank. <laughs> I came here to, in this case, I came here to, to learn how to be a better man. I didn't come here to do planks. This is dumb. I don't need to do this. And he quit. And I laughed. And uh, the reason I laughed is because I had just come back from the, uh, the thing we started this, this podcast with at the, uh, the survival training, the land excursion. And that debris hut night, we went to bed around 8 o'clock because there's nothing else to do and under triple canopy forest where it's dark, right? You're, you're just, you go to bed. And I lasted until about 2.30 in the morning, I, I think. Um, and at that point, my hip was just on fire because you can't move inside this debris hut. It was literally getting like electric shocks through my bone of my hip. And I couldn't, I couldn't turn and I, was, I wasn't cold, but I just had enough. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I don't really want to leave this thing because I'll bet you the other three guys are still in theirs. I don't want to be the first one to quit. But eventually I said, you know what? This is freaking stupid. What the hell am I doing? <laughs> you know, I'm Joe DeLisi. I've got a, I've got a very successful business. I make all this money. I've got it. You know, I'm a dad of four. I'm, I'm this, I'm that. I like built this huge narrative in my head and said, I don't need this. I quit. I'm done. And I did. I quit. I was the first one to quit out of the four guys. I'm not happy to say it. Um, and I went down there and went back in my comfy little cozy tent and went right to sleep. But I laughed because my excuse was this was stupid. And that's what you guys think too. Because you go, man, I don't need to go to that Chamber of Commerce meeting. This is so stupid. I'm going to see the same people. I'm going to see the basket weaving lady. I'm going to see the, um, the ADT security guy. I'm going to see 15 other people that are in my line of work. I'm not going to go to that. That's stupid. Yeah. So stupid that instead, you're going to go to the office and hide. <laughs> I've done it. I've done it. I'll do it again, I'm sure, in the future. The difference is I'm so aware of it. I'm so hyper aware of it. Because I get out there and I detach and I see what's really happening and I see the result of it. I can look from an elevated position. You can look down the road and see what's happening. You can see, oh my God, there's a cliff. I got to get off this road or there's no more road. I got to get off this road. So quitting is you're on the wrong road. You could be saying this is stupid. You could be um, intentionally hiding at work, which is our form of like injury. Here's another way. I see this one all the time. As a, 
as a corporate trainer, I've done that for 12 years. I go out to uh, corporations and I, I train their sales staff. Here, I see this one all the time. People want to get stuck and stay in complexity. It's their way of quitting. And here's what I mean. You have to be able to... So everybody who starts a new job or a new career, they're, they're at the simple phase, meaning they don't know what they don't even know. They don't know anything about the product. They don't know anything about the sales process. They don't know anything about running a business. Maybe they don't, they don't know. It, they're, in the, they're on the simple side. In order to get proficient, they have to move from simple into the complexity where they learn about, um, let's say, product and running a staff and running a schedule and um, client acquisition and human resources and on and on and on. There's a complexity to running a business or to being a salesperson. And the thing is, though, you got to get so you got to get really good at the, the complex. You got to master that so you can get out of the complex and make everything simple again. So for me, when I'm sitting in front of a, a client in my main business and I, I'm explaining something to them, I'm explaining it at a very, very high level. I don't go complex on them. Don't need to because I'm a master of it. I can communicate the complex in a simplistic fashion. But a lot of people in sales particularly don't want to move through the complex to be simple. They like the safety of complex. And it, it, it shows up like this. I just need to learn the process better. I just need to learn a little bit more about that product. I just need to learn a little bit better way of of, um, communicating that or a narrative or a story or, um, you know, I, I need to have a different, I need another sales, I need another staff person. You are self sabotaging yourself by staying in the complex. And if you're kind of laughing at yourself right now, then you're that person. And no, it's not just how you're built. No, you're not just an engineer. No, you're not just an analytic. No, what you're doing is you're quitting. Because complexity in sales, complexity in business building doesn't work. You need to master that and move on and make things simple again. So staying back in the weeds, it's a way of quitting. How about busyness? Busyness. I love this one. Because being busy is just the drug of the poor. People say that all the time. Oh, I've been very busy. Clients say it to me. My staff says it to me. Um, people in um, positions ahead of me at uh, big firms will say it to me. People that will try to book me for speaking engagements. People that try, you know, try to engage me to coach them, uh, and I follow up with them. Oh, I've just been very busy. That's not impressive. Being busy is again the drug of the poor. Successful people aren't busy because busy is really just being out of control of your calendar or out of control of your life. And it's like a rote excuse we just default to. But understand something, that people who are high achievers, they hear that, they distance themselves from you. They don't need that kind of chaos. Filling your calendar with stuff, that activity versus achievement again, it's just a form of quitting. And please hear me in the right context. I'm not out here pointing fingers at you as if I've got it all figured out. Every one of these ways of quitting, I've done it. Or I continue to do it. The primary difference between me and maybe you is that, again, I detach and see it and go, nope, that's me quitting. (laughs) No, no, I'm not busy. I'm just quitting. No, I'm not busy. I'm just hiding at the office. No, I'm not, I'm not, um, you know, I, I don't need to know more stuff. I'm just quitting. I'm just not doing the things I know I need to do. I think the last thing I want to talk about today, 
uh, and this again, because it came from the excursion, is your value isn't valuable to everybody. Now, this is something I'm dealing with right now myself in my in one of my businesses, um, and I'll use it. I'll use it. I'll use it in the context of let's say um, uh, physical fitness. Let's use that. That's a, that's a pretty easy one to use. Uh, I think everybody will understand. Um, you can pay thirty dollars per training session, or you can pay thirty dollars per month. Which is better? Well, it depends what you value, right? So think about it in the investment world. A 1% fee on investment management dollars versus 0.15% fee on those same dollars, which is better. It depends what you value. You've got to be able to communicate the difference to people and then let them choose. You don't want everybody. So if I am a fitness instructor, I'm not, but if I were, and my business is set up around charging $30 per person per class, and maybe maybe I group them. Maybe I've got four or five or, or even 10 people per class, right? Maybe I do that. And somebody comes in and they say, ah, I, I, I like what I see. I'd like to join here. What's it cost? And I say it's $30 per session. Maybe that comes out to 500 bucks a month because of the amount of classes that they have to take. And they say, oh, well, I, I don't want to pay any more than $30 a month. I don't want that person. It's not because I'm judging them. It's not because I think they're stupid. It's not because I think they don't get it, which I hear all the time from salespeople. Oh, they just don't get it. The prospect, well, that's kind of your job to make them get it, buddy. But beyond that, maybe they don't get it because they don't value it. And that's Okay. So here's the concept. You should be less busy and have more money. You should be working less hours and have more money. Now, that sounds so backwards. How could I possibly say that? Well, because we live in an age of technological change that's so rapid that we're able to scale things better. You don't need to have everybody as your client. Don't try to sell the unsellable. If that person doesn't value 30 bucks per class because they, they'd rather just go get an app on their phone and do a dollar, dollar workout club is a real, a real app. We pay a dollar a day for a workout. That's phenomenal for some people. Somebody like me, that would actually work for because I enjoy working out and I will go work out. But the person who's not capable of holding that discipline, that's not going to work for them. So if they're serious about getting in shape, losing weight or whatever the case may be, then they will value that personal instruction and that hands-on and that camaraderie, and they will pay the 500 a month. And if you're in the investment business and someone can pay you 1% or 0.15% and they're beating you up over fee, let them go. As long as you're doing a good job of communicating what you're charging for, like why are you charging that 1%? Is it because everybody else does too? Or is it because there's a you know you you provide some sort of outstanding value and without you the client won't you know blah 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 you've got to be able to communicate that you've got to believe it yourself which is a whole concept for another podcast but most of the people who are undercutting their fees whether it be commission or fees or what they charge for a car or a class or whatever most people who undercharge are doing so because they actually don't think that they bring any value and you know what they're probably right. 
They're probably right. You know how you fix that? You go out there. <laughs> you you got to detach. You got to take a look at it from an elevated position. You need team around you. Maybe you need a coach. I don't know, but you definitely can't do it on your own. So I think we've covered a lot of ground. Um, you know, we talked about uh, we debriefed a little bit about the land excursion, which, by the way, I put those together with Eric now. Um, just because I think they're so incredibly valuable. So if you're listening to this and you've got interest in that, uh, reach out to me. You know, either through Facebook or my website, um, and uh, and you know, talk because maybe we'll put together a group of people from around the country that want to engage in that, who want to go out there and detach and see whatever they're dealing with their businesses in a different way. Um, I think it's just incredibly powerful. Like I said, I, it was it was it's been phenomenal for me. Um, but so we talked about that. We talked, we debriefed on that. We talked about, um, being no longer on a hike. We talked about, uh, compounding bad decisions. We talked about collective courage today and the importance of team. We talked about ways we quit, ways that I quit, ways that you quit. Uh, and we just talked a little bit about value and your value, maybe not being valuable to everybody. Um, so Thank you for tuning in today. Uh, I'm always looking for what you guys want to hear from me. Uh, most of the time, it's just the things that I'm dealing with in my own business or my life. Uh, because I do spend so much time and money really thinking it through and going out there and finding uh, you know, outside influences on me. And I, I think we can all leverage that as part of this little community here. If I'm going out there and finding stuff and I can come back and bring it to you, you can sort of sample it right here on this podcast uh, or in what I write and, and, and get a sample of that and say, ah, that doesn't really fit you know, for me. I'm glad Joe did it, but like not for me. Okay, cool. Great. But then other things I might write about and you say, well, there's a concept that makes a lot of sense. Great. Grab that. Dive into it. You've heard me say it before. I'll say it again. Take everything I say with a grain of salt. I don't have everything figured out. I don't. I'm an expert in very few areas in life. There's a few, but very few. All I'm doing is I'm, I'm communicating to you the things I'm working on and what other experts bring to me and say, you know, again, interpreting failure. And I'm offering it up to you guys. And if it, if it sticks, if something helps, phenomenal. If it doesn't, great. Throw it to the side and keep moving on. Just look for those little nuggets that kind of move you forward or have you thinking differently. So uh, with that, uh, I will say uh, thank you for tuning in. And again, don't forget to check out our Facebook page, Joe DeLisi Foxhole Partner, and our website, www.foxholepartner.com.